You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 141, The Raspberry Pi. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. Today is September 8th, 2013, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about the Raspberry Pi, the uh, relatively new, small, miniature, ARM-based computer. But before we get into that, I have been experimenting and working on my soldering skills, and I have made a null modem cable that connects over to the modem port uh, I have an RS-232 adapter, and it hooks right to the Commodore 64, so I'm going to attempt uh, to load the podcast. Of course, you know I've saved the podcast on my trusty C64, and so I'm going to try to move it over to my PC over this null modem cable during this part of the program that has become known as Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. So while that loads, we have a little bit of time to kill. I hate starting shows off with apologies about missed shows, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. It's been, I actually missed two weekends in a row of You Don't Know Flack, which I think is the first time that's happened in 2013. Now, in previous years, the show actually started in, I believe the first episode was recorded in 2008, and there were a couple of years where I only recorded one or two episodes, so missing two weekends in a row is not bad uh, in the big picture of You Don't Know Flack, but uh, I was trying to record one every weekend, and who knows, I may still make up those episodes. I keep saying that. I don't know when on earth I'll find the time, but that would be the uh, ultimate goal would be to do that. Since the last episode, several things have happened. The first is that I turned 40 years old. The uh, On August 22nd, 2013, I turned 40 years old. So people say, well, what did you do for your 40th birthday? And unfortunately, what I did was served as a pallbearer at my uncle's funeral in Chicago. My uncle Joe passed away unexpectedly at the age of 58. He uh, was out golfing a couple of days before, came home, was complaining about uh, stomach pains, woke up in the middle of the night and uh, uh, called 911 and was rushed to the hospital and, and I, from what I understand, never really uh, regained consciousness. If um, I would say what I get from my Uncle Joe, it's my dad's brother, and, and uh, Uncle Joe is the the um, third of five kids on the uh, O'Hara side. What I get from my Uncle Joe, along with my dad, was my love of the Three Stooges. My Uncle Joe had a, like I have a Star Wars room <laughs> in my house. My Uncle Joe had a Three Stooges room. Apparently, it may have even been a point of contention <laughs> in the house. Um, but uh, So he had a large collection of Three Stooges posters and and collectibles and, and things like that. Uh, so my dad told me that when they were kids, they would air the Three Stooges on uh, television on a local uh, Chicago station. And so that's why they both grew up enjoying the Three Stooges. So I, I got that, those things from him and, and my dad, of course. Um, my Uncle Joe also collected signs. Uh, he worked at uh, a hospital in Chicago. And he collected hats, and I have probably 20 or 30 baseball hats. I wouldn't call it a collection necessarily, but uh, whenever we would go there, those are the things I remember, you know, about his house and um, being around him. So, yep, that's what I did for my 40th birthday is hopped in a car, drove up, spent eight hours at a Irish wake, which was a first time experience for me. I don't know that I've ever, I'm sure I've never attended a wake um, for anybody I knew or otherwise, 
So that was an interesting experience. I think I described it on my blog as probably the perfect family gathering. It was like everybody in my family was there and getting along and, and well-dressed and well-mannered. And if it hadn't been for the fact that my dead uncle <laughs> was lying in a box on the other side of the room, it would have been perfect. So it's a very surreal experience. And uh, so the week was the day before my birthday. And then the day on uh, that night, uh, someone was running around asking who was available to be a pallbearer. And uh, someone asked me and I said, sure. So on my 40th birthday, that's what I did was I uh, carried my uncle's coffin to and from a hearse multiple times. So uh, many experiences that definitely will be a birthday I will not forget. So since the last show, I drove to Chicago, which is 12 hours, was there for two days, drove home from Chicago, and then the following week I drove to Kansas City, and I spent a week in Kansas City for work. And, you know, sometimes these things lend themselves to hooking up with uh, friends of mine on the internet or visiting with people, and sometimes they don't. This just happened to be a trip where... Literally, we left the hotel each morning at 7 a.m. We got to work at 8 a.m. We ate lunch on site. We worked until 5 or 6 p.m. We left. We went back to the hotel. We went as a group out to dinner and then got back to our hotel rooms at 9 or 10 p.m. So just didn't leave a lot of uh, spare time. So sometimes the trips work out where I get spare time in the cities or whatever. Sometimes they don't. I have a... uh, a trip coming up in a few weeks to Tempe, Arizona, which I guess is um, just west of Phoenix. And my goal is I'm going to drive and I'm going to stop in Albuquerque and I want to go see all the cool Breaking Bad uh, film locations. You know, there's only four weeks left of Breaking Bad. And uh, so I want to go see Walter White's house and I want to go eat it. Los Pollos Hermanos and do all those, um, you know, goofy fan type things. You know, the whole show is, is filmed in and around Albuquerque. So I would really like to do that. I don't know that I've ever done that, uh, for a television show. I did talk about, and I, I'll put this in the show notes, uh, a few filming locations I've been to in and around Oklahoma, the most memorable of which was Weird Al's UHF. Uh, which was filmed in Tulsa. So I did go to some Tulsa filming locations. But other than that, you know, there's been one or two scenes, like there was a couple of scenes from The Outsiders. The Outsiders was filmed in Tulsa, so I've been to a couple of locations there. But, you know, not, I mean, UHF was definitely, uh, was my favorite of all those. Um, What else do I have? I don't know that I have too much else. I've just kind of been out of pocket. I have a couple of shows now that I've been teasing. One is a, Star Wars collectible show that I would like to record with um, Earl Green from thelogbook.com. And I also have uh, a skateboarding episode that I've been talking about recording for several months now with my friend Mikey. And I just haven't got around to uh, getting the technology, everything set up and configured to record a Skype call or, or um, you know, do a uh, locally recorded audio file or whatever we're going to do. So... Those are coming, and uh, I, I will work on those because I really want to do that. I want to expand. You don't know Flack. I, I've I mentioned this before. I enjoy all the other podcasts that I've been on, Throwback Reviews and Adventure Club, um, No Quarter, um, all the ones that I've contributed to, even um, uh, the 2600 Game by Game podcast, you know, when I send audio files in. I like all those more than I like my own. <laughs> Um, I, I like the interaction with people. You know, when I started doing this by myself, it was because that was the only way I knew how to do it, you know? So I do enjoy these little times where I get to close myself off in my room and turn everything off and make it nice and quiet and just sit here looking into this microphone and, and do a little recording, but I wouldn't mind doing some recording with other people too. So that's on the way. Um, unfortunately it's, it's not really, I mean, there's some technological hurdles uh, that seem pretty easy to overcome, but more it's it's my own personal lack of, of good planning that keeps those things. So I will work on that. 
If you have feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can always email your feedback to me at robohara at robohara.com, or you can leave a message for me on the You Don't Know Flack voice mailbox. That phone number is 405-486-YDKF for You Don't Know Flack. If you would like to sponsor an episode, if you have something you'd like to plug or anything like that, you can head over to the website, which is at podcast.robohara.com, and click on the sponsors link near the top of the webpage for more information. And that, my friends, is the sound of a podcast successfully being transferred from a Commodore 64 over to an IBM PC via a null modem cable. I should mention that this is, I just recently bought a new laptop, like within the last week or so, and... uh it um, came shipped with Windows 8, and so far I hate it. <laughs> I'm not. I've. You know what? If if it were a perfect world, we would all still be running XP or or um, whatever the OS of your choice is that you were forced to get away from because the world changed. So the world has changed. I do have uh, Windows 7 on my other laptop and on my main workstation, but this has Windows 8. So instead of reloading it, which is my knee-jerk reaction, I've left Windows 8 on here in an attempt to um, learn this OS, and I'm I'm eagerly awaiting Windows 8.1, and uh, which is supposed to add, I guess it's supposed to kind of retrofit some of the Windows 7 features back into Windows 8, like a freaking start button. I don't know who came up with the idea of getting rid of the start button and this whole Metro interface. It's the very first thing I do. You know, um, when I got Windows 95 way back when, the very first thing I did was I took, uh, I made a shortcut to the a DOS prompt, you know, to a command.exe. I made a shortcut to it and I dropped it into the start folder. So every time the machine booted, when it was done, it would come up to a Windows 95 you know, to a desktop, like what we think of a desktop now, and then it would open a DOS prompt so that I could move around and (laughs) do things. And so I feel, you know, I've, I've gone in and I've created a shortcut to my computer and to my documents and put them on the desktop. And I know that's not what, um, my, or yeah, Microsoft, I guess, or windows eight wants me to do. I guess what they want me to do is, is, um, never encrypt anything and turn it over to the NSA, but that's, um, (laughs) that's another podcast too isn't it um so i i feel like i'm circumventing the way that windows 8 wants me to operate within this space but until i can figure out what how to do what it wants me to do that's the only way i know how to do certain things so anyway it's amazing though that i got that null modem cable (laughs) working on a machine that doesn't have a serial port So, anyway, the podcast is over. Let's go ahead and get off that and get started with episode 141 of You Don't Know Flack, the Raspberry Pi. So, the original idea behind You Don't Know Flack was that it was going to be about technology, and specifically, it was going to be about old technology or new technology that works with old technology. So a couple of weeks ago, this relatively new technology dropped uh, into my knowledge base, into my little world, and it just fits so well with what I had originally intended You Don't Know Flack to be about that I decided to push back the other episodes and record an episode specifically dedicated to the Raspberry Pi. So before I had heard of the Raspberry Pi, um, I had heard of the Arduino Arduino, I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, which is a small integrated circuit board, um, I guess you would say, that can be programmed to run programs in C or C++. And I like the idea of it. You know, I considered buying one, but it's not really like a PC. It's not, um, for one thing that I didn't like about it was, well, first of all, I don't know C or C++, so I was going to have to learn something else to, to script or write code in. The other thing I didn't like was that there's not one single model of the Arduino and, and not to get off on a side tangent. I just wrote a, I wrote one word here. Actually, I wrote two words here. It says console gaming. But one thing that got me into console gaming and out of PC gaming was the fact that everybody has different PCs. And I was playing for a little while. I played some online games 
And I was continually getting beaten by people with better hardware, people who had, you know, better keyboards, or they had created macros in these games that we were playing online, or they had a better mouse, or they had, you know, uh, well, they had a faster PC, or, you know, better video cards or whatever. So all these things that were different than, than my setup. But when I play online on the PlayStation 3, I know that I'm playing against other people that are using a PlayStation 3. It levels that playing field. I know this is a, a weird comparison, but if everybody had the same Arduino, then we could all share code. We could all, you could buy a case that would fit all of them. You you would have everybody working on the same thing. And so that that wasn't the case, you know. So that was one of the things that kind of turned me off uh, to the Arduino. The Raspberry Pi, there are only two models, the Model A and the Model B, and I'm going to talk about those in just a second. But essentially, they're identical and that they're all the same. So anybody that has a Raspberry Pi, you can buy a Raspberry Pi case and it will fit your Raspberry Pi. Or you can you know, download software that has been compiled to work with the Raspberry Pi and you don't need to recompile it with your own hardware um, because it's already compiled. It's, it's going to be compatible. So anyway, the Raspberry Pi is a, and I wrote this little paragraph here, it is a Linux-compatible computer board that's about the size of a credit card. comes in two models, as I mentioned, the A and the B. The B was released in February of 2012, and the A was released in February 2013. The B board, which is basically what I'm going to be talking about today, has a 700 megahertz processor. It has a 10100 Ethernet jack built in, two USB ports. It offers HDMI out and composite video out, also with a three and a half inch audio jack out. It has a micro USB port for power and an SD card slot that it uses for storage. So instead of a hard drive or conventional storage, it uses an SD card. Um, it also has and I've seen this referred to in a couple of different names, but I believe uh, this is correct, a MiPi, M-I-P-I, camera port. Uh, and that contains a CSI input connector. So this is um, a connector that can be used to connect a camera to the Raspberry Pi, or you can use these pins for other um, different functions. Like you can drive motors with them, you can plug it into... Um, all, all different sorts of, of different types of peripherals. So that's the B board. And then there's the A board that I mentioned, which is newer. The A board only has one USB port instead of uh, two. And it has no Ethernet adapter. And there's a technical uh, reason for this. Basically, uh, the Ethernet adapter that's on the B is a USB Ethernet adapter. So uh, technically, the B board has three, but one is tied up permanently with the uh, 10100 Ethernet adapter. Now, the and the lack of... Uh, oh, also, it has half the amount of RAM. The B board has 512, the A board has 256. So the difference between these two boards is $10. The A, the cheaper one, is 25 bucks. The B board, which is the one I bought, is $35. Um, I really couldn't see any reason to only buying an A... I mean, for $10, it seemed like it was really like you would just buy the B. I guess if you were doing some sort of integrated um, computing, you know, where you were dedicating this to doing a certain task, it would never have a GUI on it. It would never be, you know, doing anything like that, that I guess you could get away with running the A. But for $10, it seemed to me uh, a really cheap upgrade to get one that would be a lot more versatile. Uh, the Raspberry Pi weighs 1.6 ounces, just to give you an idea of how small this thing is. It literally is about the shape and size uh, as a credit card, and then it has ports on all four sides all the way around. So I have heard about the Raspberry Pi. I wasn't didn't really understand fully what the Raspberry Pi did or what it was capable of doing. And uh, a friend of mine who came to visit recently, Charles, uh, Ubik Uberalis, if you know him from Digital Press or Atari Age. And he brought his Raspberry Pi. We did not fire it up, but he showed it to me. And I thought, you know what? This looks like something I would enjoy playing with. And so I ended up buying two. So I bought two B-boards, two cases, and two power adapters. 
And so all of those things together shipped for less than a hundred dollars. And so when they arrived, I split them up and I took one and I gave it over to my dad. And the reason I did that is because my dad is the one who got me into computing and he's the one that, and I've mentioned this before. I think I mentioned this on the last episode that when he got into computers back in the TRS 80 days, you didn't buy a computer and then just walk in and buy software. You know, you wrote software, you made the computer do the things you wanted it to do. I remember I talked about this at Commodore where he had laid out graphics uh, on a sheet of graph paper of a bird flying. It was like a four cell animation. And then he spent all this time, uh, you know, writing a basic program that would turn these bits on and off and poke these little graphic addresses and make this little animation of a bird flying. So it wasn't like you bought a computer and said, Oh, I want to make this show, you know, cartoons of a bird flying or whatever. It's like you got the computer and then you made it do things. And so that's, that was the impression I got of the Raspberry Pi was that you didn't say, oh, well, I'm buying a Raspberry Pi. It'll do this, 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 and that. It was like you got a Raspberry Pi and then you went and played with it. You make it do whatever it is you want to do. You throw it into a project or you look at the other projects that people have created and then you duplicate those things. Um, so anyway, uh, I gave one set to my dad and I have the other set. And, um, kind of in a, a joking way, you know, I was like, well, let's see what you can do with yours and I'll see what I can do with mine. Be honest with you. I haven't done anything original with mine. Everything I've done is projects that other people have done. And I have just, you know, taken their projects and, and downloaded them and put them on my card and, and got things running. So, uh, I haven't really done anything on my own yet, but I would like to. And so I'll talk about some of the projects I've seen here shortly. Um, for power for the Raspberry Pi, you can run it off of a PC um, USB port, or you can buy a wall adapter. And so the wall adapter I ordered, it says USB wall adapter for Raspberry Pi. You would think that would include the USB cable that connects the power adapter to the Raspberry Pi, but it does not. So when mine arrived, I received a Raspberry Pi. And I did receive the wall adapter, but I did not receive a cable that would connect those two things, which seemed kind of stupid, really. I mean, they, they ought to know what people, why people are ordering this stupid thing. So it could at least say, hey, you're buying parts A and C. Would you like B that connects them? Uh, so anyway, then my dad ordered two cables, and so he gave me one cable. So um, Also, let's talk about the case that I ordered. It said Raspberry Pi case. I think it was about $7 red plastic. When I got it, it is the biggest stupid. <laughs> it's dumb looking. It's like way too big for the Raspberry Pi. I guess it's designed so you could put other things in there, but it's just goofy looking. Um, and so uh, I ended up making my own case recently, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, well, I can talk about it now, actually. I, I went online and I looked at some of the cases that other people have been making, and people have made them out of Legos and they made them out of wood. You can make a, a Raspberry Pi case. I mean, like I said, it's a, a you know a credit card size computer, so you can make a case out of whatever you want. And so, we, my family and I, were at Big Lots, and we were just wandering around. I, I did not was not thinking of the Raspberry Pi at the time. And we wandered over by the um, food area and I saw these Pop-Tart cases and they're little plastic cases that you would put Pop-Tarts inside and they look like a Pop-Tart. It's just bigger than a Pop-Tart because you put two Pop-Tarts inside it. And the idea is that you would take your Pop-Tarts and put them in your kid's lunch. So you put them in this little protector thing and send it to school with your kids. When you're creating a balanced meal for your children, you send them to school with Pop-Tarts. I saw that and I thought, you know what? I bet the Raspberry Pi would fit inside that. And so I brought it home and it sure did. It fit right inside that. It has a little plastic clasp on one side. So I opened it up and shoved the Raspberry Pi in there. But of course, you know, the thing is sealed all the way around. So I have seen many videos online and, and websites talking about dremeling things. And I have a dremel. So I thought, I'm going to Dremel this. I'm going to Dremel the sides out, and it's going to look so awesome. And when I got done Dremeling it, it looked like it had been in a fire. It <laughs> There were all these 
curly pieces of plastic built everywhere. There's just none of the sides were level. All of the, the holes that I cut look like maybe a, a rat had got, you know, a hold of this thing and gnawed holes in it. It's, it looks absolutely awful. So I, I even cuts out the best I could when I was done. I used, um, a Dremel wheel to try and sand it. And when that didn't work, I used an actual piece of sandpaper. I just wrapped it around one of my fingers and I, I sanded the edges. And so at least it's not, uh, left behind, you know, sharp edges or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it, um, it's definitely, um, there's room for improvement, let's say. And I have, uh, been in talks with a friend of mine who, is talking about making me a custom Raspberry Pi case. And if that comes, I mean, he's shown me a prototype, and if he's able to do what uh, I think he is able to do, I'm going to have the coolest Raspberry Pi case ever. But um, so we'll wait and see. We'll see how that turns out. Um, but I, I, if, if that thing comes to fruition, I'm throwing this. <laughs> you know what? I'll give it away. I'll give away the uh, Raspberry Pop-Tart case. Uh, to one lucky listener. And by lucky, I mean unlucky. So anyway, um, what is a Raspberry Pi? Well, we basically talked, it's this little thing. It has ports all over it, and it is designed uh, to run basically a Linux-based operating system. There are, you can download, I guess, different versions, different flavors of Linux. There's one called Raspbian, which is a Debian-based operating system uh, and it's already optimized for the raspberry pi so you download this you use uh some software to write the image to an sd card and once you've done that you're done you take the sd card you plug it into your raspberry pi and this thing boots up i've been using hdmi uh, just because you can get audio and video out of it and i have recently i bought a 46 inch television because they're so darn cheap in my computer room i have three retro computers hooked up i have an amiga 1200 i have a commodore 64 of course and i have an apple II. uh it's an e an apple IIe. i have a 2c but um why did i oh because i bought the uh, cffa 3000 which is the usb adapter and it requires an internal card, so I couldn't use that on my 2C, so I put the 2C in the closet, and I pulled out the 2E, and, and so I have the 2E there. So I have these three computers, and I had three old monitors hooked up. They were actually all three Amdeck monitors, um, and, uh, you know, it, it was taking up all this space and stuff, and I said, you know what would be really cool is if I got rid of those three monitors, and when I say I get rid of something, by the way, I never get rid of it, so what that means is I took them and I put them down in the garage. I said, wouldn't it be cool if I got rid of those three monitors and I replaced them with one flat screen monitor? And so I went to Sam's club with the intent of buying a 24 inch flat screen television that I could uh, run composite video into from these three computers. And so I went down and I don't think they had 24 inch ones, but they had 27 inch maybe. I don't know. I could, I could be making up uh, sizes here, but, um, but let's say it was a 27 inch and it was like 199, something like that. And then I, you know, right next to it is a 32 inch and it was like $20 more. It was on sale, like 219. And I thought, well, if you're going to get a, a 30 or a uh, 27 inch, you might as well get the 32 inch for another 20 bucks, you know? And so as I was getting ready to get that, I thought, well, gosh, right here's a 35 inch <laughs> for another couple of bucks, you know? And so eventually I, when all was said and done, actually, I believe it's a 42 inch. So I bought this 42 inch TV and, I, and it was on sale. It was like 279 or something, uh, Samsung. So I thought, all right. So I brought it home and I put it on the computer desk. And so now I have this ridiculously large flat screen, uh, television. It's almost too big really for the, the room that it's in. But if you ever want to play uh, Commodore games on a 42 inch screen television, I know you can do it. So, um, I got everything hooked up, but I, it, it's silly because it's a, an, a high def television. I'm not even using, you know, any high def on it. I'm not even using the HD ports. And that reminds me, there's a whole separate thing. I need to buy a, um, 
I guess it's like this external box or whatever for the Amiga, because I have a 1200, and I'm running the composite out into the TV, and it looks like doo-doo. <laughs> and um, I've been working off and on with Rob Sherman. Rob Sherman just sent me the um, CF adapter for the 1200. So I need to install that, but I'm still going to have doo-doo video coming out of it, and so I need to um, buy whatever they sell. I know they sell something. There's really no problem with retro computers that you can't solve with a credit card. <laughs> That's what I've learned. That's what I've learned in this hobby is um, persistence and cash will get you far. So anyway, that was a long roundabout way of saying I'm not using the HDMI ports on this TV. So I hooked up an HDMI cable and I have the other end coming out. It plugs right into the Raspberry Pi. And so I decided to do a couple of projects. Well, I wanted to get the Raspberry Pi up and running, right? So I plug the Raspberry Pi in, I plug in the video, blah, 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 I plug in the power, I turn on, and it kind of does something. It has a little screen and then it did nothing because I didn't have an operating system on it or whatever. So the first project I, I thought, you know what, what is something that I know? What is something that I'm good at? And what I'm good at is playing games. <laughs> and so I did some Googling and I found RetroPie. So RetroPie is a uh, pre-assembled collection of emulators and video games. And uh, I, I didn't have a lot of luck with it. I downloaded it and then I tried to update it and I tried to do all these things. And, and um, someone, I, I forget the name now, but told me basically I was doing it wrong on my blog and they were completely right. Uh, and so I found another uh, build that someone has assembled or another collection called PyMame. And so I downloaded PyMame and I put it on the SD card and I went and stuck it in my uh, Raspberry Pi and I booted it up and it works great. It comes right up to a menu system and it says, do you want to play video game or arcade emulators or do you want uh, computer emulators or console emulators? And you go through the menu and you pick what you want. I have a USB gamepad and I plug that in. It says, hey, hello, USB gamepad. And that worked perfect. So the um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm not a Linux person. On a scale of one to 10, I'm probably a two. Um, if you've read Commodore, you know that I spent some time uh, in the early days of IRC getting on IRC and using shell accounts. And I learned enough Linux to know how to move software from point A to point B. And so, uh, and that's pretty much the extent I know. I know get and put, <laughs> I knew, um, sin Z modem or, you know, SZ and RZ back in the day. I knew how to make directories, copy files, uh, delete files, get rid of directories. That was pretty much it, you know? So, so far that's, uh, essentially what I know, uh, on the Raspberry Pi now. I have learned uh, sudo and I've learned uh, uh, nano and, and a few other very, very, very basic things. So I'm, I'm wading into Linux with baby steps, but I'm learning it. And uh, I've copied some ROMs for PyMame over and I copied some Commodore games over. There's a Commodore that has a port of Vice on it. And um, I copied over a couple of Nintendo games and they all work flawlessly. Uh, well, flawlessly is not the right word. Uh, some of the 16-bit MAME games that I tried, they play at full speed, but it sounds to me like the sound has been greatly downsampled. And I, I'm wondering if that's a default setting that's in this version of MAME, uh, to keep the speed at a hundred percent. So I, I, but basically what I've learned with, with, uh, Pi MAME and the Raspberry Pi in general is that everything is configurable. Uh, you find the right config file and, and the right setting and what you want to change it from it to, and you can make this little thing do anything you want. So I am greatly looking forward to not just playing with other people's creations, but doing some of my own, actually getting in there and learning, you know, what, what these configuration files are, what they do. I've wanted to learn Linux for a long time. I really wanted to learn Linux when windows seven came out because I got so pissed off that they were, um, pushing XP. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's the typical software life cycle, but I was so familiar with XP. Um, I was certified in XP 
that I was like, you know what? Before I'll go to Windows 7, I'm going to uh, put on Ubuntu. And so I did that, and I struggled. And I struggled because I don't know why. I guess it's just old habits die hard, you know. Um, I support Windows and Windows systems at work. So, you know, that that's my comfort area. That's my comfort zone. And so getting away from that is not only, uh, I mean, it goes against what I've been doing for, you know, since the early 90s. Uh, I mean, I, I um, from the Commodore, I moved to the PC, you know, so I've been doing DOS for 20 years, 30 years, probably. Um, I mean, all the way back to the, the PC Junior. So it's outside my comfort level, but I also want to do it. And, and that's. Um, I, I've never, uh, how can I put this? I, di- I didn't have a desire to learn it because you have that failover. Like I, I got a, a netbook. Remember when that, those were popular for about 15 minutes? I bought a netbook, a little Acer Aspire with, um, whatever it was, an eight inch or nine inch screen or whatever. And I played with it for a while and then it put it in the closet and collected dust. And then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to. Um, put uh, Ubuntu on this, or maybe it was, uh, it wasn't Debian. It was Fedora. I think I put Fedora on there. And I thought, I'm going to learn this. Well, first of all, if you're trying to learn a new operating system, doing it on a nine inch screen is not the way I would recommend it. Second of all, whenever I ran into a, a hurdle, I would just go do whatever that task was on one of my other eight, nine, 10 computers we had in the house at the time, you know, Oh, I don't know how to transfer, you know, change this JPEG to a, a PNG file, or I don't know how to, to rip a DVD with this, or I don't know how to do whatever. Oh, well, I'll just go do it, you know, on my other machine. And so I always had those crutches to fall back on. So I wasn't, I wasn't forced to learn Linux. And I guess I really didn't want, have the desire to do it, but now I do. Now I have this little, this toy and I want to play with it. I want to make it do the things I want it to do. Um, so anyway, let's get into some of the projects. Speaking of what can you make the Raspberry Pi do? Because you can make this thing do just about anything and except for run windows. Haha. <laughs> um, but there are tons and tons of projects that people have done. And in the spirit of open source in this community, people, create their little projects on the Raspberry Pi and then they make an image of the SD card and they stick it out on the internet and that's it. So you just download that image, blow it onto an SD card and you're, you have that, that setup, that system, whatever they've set up. So here are, oh gosh, I wrote down about two dozen. I don't know if I'll read all these. I'm going to skim through these and I might read them all, but here's some of the things that I've seen that people have done with their Raspberry Pis. Number one is they have created a media streaming computer. The Raspberry Pi Linux, you can set it up to run the uh, Xbox Media Center. XBMC, if you're not familiar with that, is a very popular. It's what, um, I believe, uh, Boxy runs off of, and and there's been several different ports, uh, or forks, I probably should say, of Xbox Media Center. Um, But since the Raspberry Pi is wireless, I mean, it can run with a wireless NIC off a USB, uh, or you can wire it. It'll also output 1080p video um, straight out of HDMI. So now you have a $35, you know, streaming computer, basically. Hook that up to your TV in your living room. You can use uh, one of the additional USB ports. One of the things that a lot of people do, and a lot of projects even require, is hooking up a USB, uh, like a USB hub where you get additional USB ports to the Pi. So I could see doing that. But, you know, you set up a little thing, and then uh, you'd be able to plug in an external USB hard drive to play movies off of, or you could stream them across a wired network or wireless. I don't really know about streaming 1080p video at, uh, you know, wireless speeds. I'd have to to see if you could do that. But uh, regardless, you know, I mean, like most of my movies, the DVDs that I rip, uh, to the house I storm in Divix just because, um, well, it's because I, what I started doing several years ago, uh, and, and it's good enough for the kids and it's good enough if you're just watching a movie, you know? So, uh, but anyway, uh, media streamer also arcade machine. I talked about, uh, retro pie. I talked about pie main people are, 
are not only using these as a computer in their house where you can play games and things on it, but it's also, uh, I'm starting to see people that have used them as the heart of a main cabinet. And, you know, basically, uh, if you've got this computer, you know, a Raspberry Pi and you have it boot into Pi Mame, obviously you could go change those configuration files uh, to where instead of going into a menu, it would go directly into, you know, boot directly into some sort of front end. And there's a front end built into it. And since it supports USB game sticks, you know, any of the uh, more popular game controllers, you know, that are configured to run with MAME or just USB in general, uh, these emulators will see that. So that's definitely, you're not going to run high end stuff with this. You're not going to run some of the more games that need some horsepower to run, but um, I've run through several 8-bit games. I've run through a few 16-bit games. Some of the games that I'm familiar with, like I played, um, I played a few rounds of Shinobi. And if you know uh, my history with arcade cabinets, you know that I have owned three different Shinobi cabinets over time. And so what I mentioned before about the the sound, I did notice that the sound was was not as clear and not as loud as it should have been. But I thought the game itself ran in in real time, full speed. So that's probably a trade off that you can make somewhere. I played some Dig Dug and um, a few other games, and I found that I thought that some of the sound samples might have been missing. I know that I played a little bit of Galaga, and when my ship, when I got killed, which happened like on level one or maybe two, um, that I didn't hear the sound for the explosion. So, um, you know, if you have a main cabinet and you're running a a PC in there already, I don't know that I would... Obviously, you're going to have a savings here of power. I mean, this thing runs off of 5 volt off a USB adapter. So um, from a uh, a power standpoint, you would have some savings. But there might be some trade-off in quality. So before you, you know, just pull your PC out of your main cabinet and throw it down the stairs and and order a Raspberry Pi, I would definitely, um, you know, hook up with somebody that has one. Or, I mean, we're not talking a giant investment order one, $35.00. And do some playing, you know, but, but, um, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely try it and try it with the games that you're interested in playing, uh, before I, I made that kind of decision. Uh, some of the other ones I've seen on here, home automation, that's very popular right now. Um, you can configure, I guess there's a whole system called Zigbee. I was more familiar with, uh, the X10 automation that Radio Shack sold, but there's several different systems that are compatible with, uh, there's Linux software to run. So if you are wanting to, you know, control your, your air conditioner or your lights or different things in your home and you automate those things, then you can set up the Raspberry Pi to do that. Some people are working on using the Raspberry Pi, uh, as the basis of a car pewter. I'm very, very interested in setting up a car pewter. Um, if you, if you don't know, basically this is replacing your entire stereo system, your entertainment system in your car with a computer. They sell them and they're very expensive. If you just buy one off the shelf, we're talking probably 12 to $1,500. Um, but if you build one, you can build one very inexpensively. Basically what you do is you, you buy a flat screen, a touch sensitive flat screen, you replace your stereo with that. And then with that, you can have the back end be a computer and basically run your entertainment center, which means you could play videos, you could play sound files. If you have a internet connection like a MiFi, you could, you know, have it check your email. You can hook it up to a USB GPS. There's all kinds of things you could do. And they, they have um, the software, you know, pre already assembled. All you have to do is, is build the hardware. Now, if you saw how crappy my, uh, my dremeling was. That's what scares me <laughs> about this car pewter business is that I know that I'm going to be doing some dremeling or something on my dash. Uh, and the fact that I have a $2 pop tart case that I'm too embarrassed to show anybody. I really don't want to do that to the dash of my car, but, um, you know, if you could buy a case or something like that, that would fit in there, I think that would be an awesome project. And I think it would be a good use of the raspberry Pi. So car pewter is on there. Uh, automation, uh, as far as, let's see, there's controlling robots. There's some different things you can buy. Um, I've seen some things that run, you know, motors and servos and they have, uh, cameras and they have an infrared thing that, um, 
will measure distance. You know, I've seen people like automating uh, little robots that drive around or whatever. So there's a whole thing there. But like I said, this is a $35 computer. So you buy it, you dedicate that to a project, and you want another one, buy another one. Uh, a home Linux server, that's a no-brainer right there if you want to use it um, as a, a full-fledged server or just as a NAS if you want to hook up your, your uh, back-end storage to it. Basically, you've got a server at this point that requires no fans. It's completely silent, and it runs off of 5 volts. So uh, if you're a Linux guy, um, then, then that's a, a definite uh, no-brainer right there. Um, controlling Christmas lights, timers. I talked about timers for hot home automation a little bit, power switches. This is all stuff that's real easily, um, once you buy this, uh, you know, you hook up to that adapter, that MyPi port that's on there and you can run external things. Um, I saw a project where a guy built this thing where basically all it does is it flashes an LED whenever you get new emails and it's really simple to do. He wrote a script for uh, Raspbian that went out and checked his email address, and when new things showed up, uh, it would flash this LED. So, I, you know, I don't know if I want to dedicate a computer, you know, to doing that, but I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, and then I think, well, I don't want to dedicate a computer, but the computer's 35 bucks. so would I buy something that costs 35 bucks that sit on my desk and flash to LED? Probably. I'm, I bought a lot of stupid crap, <laughs> so that would just be one more. Um, you can use it as the guts to a digital picture frame, and I think this is a really cool idea. Um, some of the simple ones basically use the Pi, and it uses the HDMI output to um, display videos on a TV, which, you know, that's that's a no-brainer. A lot of us uh, have the ability to do that. Remember all those... Everybody had a digital picture frame on their desk for a while or whatever. So this is kind of a cool idea. However, there's some more advanced ones. I've seen some that will uh, randomly grab pictures off of uh, Tumblr and uh, or Photo Bucket and show those pictures. You know, you hook it up to wireless and this thing is always updating itself. Um, what I would like is one basically that, and I, I don't think, you know, one method's any harder than the other something that would pull pictures from my Dropbox. And then when I want to update, I just go to Dropbox to this folder and I would update the pictures. And I could see running something like that in a, uh, you know, like in the house, like get a, a flat screen TV, put it in something like a frame, put it, you know, even put it mad at maybe put it behind glass so that it looks, you know, maybe if you turn down the contrast or brightness, I don't know really, but um, I suspect you could get it to look. Uh, not unlike a, a photo frame, and then have it cycle through pictures. I think that'd be really cool. Now you're past the $35 investment because you're buying a flat screen TV, but uh, maybe one of these days I'll upgrade one of the other TVs and, and I'll, I'll use uh, one of the existing TVs for something like that. Um, this is another one. This is uh, similar to that one about an item that flashed an LED. There's a project out there. You know what I'll do is I can list some of these projects on... Uh, the notes page, but really all you have to do is Google, um, you know, uses for Raspberry Pi or interesting uses or unusual uses for Raspberry Pi, and you'll find all these same links that I found. Uh, I found one of a, someone who built a robot that speaks his tweets out loud. So, you know, basically you're pulling down your Twitter feed and then using there's a, uh, a module for uh, text-to-speech. You get new tweets or whatever. I think that'd be pretty cool, except for some of the people that I follow on Twitter, I'm not sure I want uh, this little thing announcing some of their tweets. Um, you can use it to take time-lapse photos. I mean, that's a, a pretty simple script. You hook it up to that camera. Uh, along those same lines, you could have it be a security box that shoots video. Um, there are little adapters you can buy that do motion sensing. So you could really build this entire thing to be the entire um, guts to a uh, home security system. So I think that would be pretty cool. Um, let's skip some of these. Let's see. There's the, uh, someone built one into a, basically a penetration testing hacker box. They built it inside of a, a, uh, what looked like a power strip. So you just walked in, plug this power strip in and, and walk away. And at that point it would try to connect on the network. It would be a Wi-Fi hotspot. It would do all these little things. So because it's so small, uh, you can, you can hide this thing in a lot of places. Um, I did see one where a guy used it as an alternative to Google Glass. And let me tell you, this was um, 
this is pretty hilarious what this guy did, but I I know what he's getting at, but the implementation was was kind of wacky because he had these giant glasses that, you know, look like um, what blind people wear. And then he had made the Raspberry Pi be portable by hooking it up to a, a box that held AA batteries. He had zip-tied a tiny keyboard to his wrist and a few other things. So, you know, and then it, when he was talking about the negative and the downsides, one, the first one said, I, you know, the screens cover where you're going so you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> which would be fairly detrimental, I would think, to using this while driving or, or walking, really, or doing anything. Um, but I, I like the idea. I like the idea of having a computer with me. What you would have to do, though, is figure out what does this offer that having a cell phone with you doesn't offer. Um, it's kind of like this um, this thing with the smartwatches right now. All of a sudden, everybody's got a smartwatch. Um, a watch that, you know, will, will vibrate your wrist. This sounds like hell to me, by the way. I don't want something that vibrates my wrist every time I get a tweet or a, uh, a like on Facebook or anything like that. I don't want that in my life, but I understand that people do. But if, if you could get a computer with you that offered something that your cell phone doesn't, you know, the uh, Google Glass, I think where we're all going is that, um, I, I don't know what you call it, supplemental video, or I, I don't know what the term is, but you know, like what the the Terminator had, where he walked around and you had things identifying this is a a 1982 Honda, and this license plate does this, and this is your friend Ralph. You know, you don't recognize him, but um, his favorite food's lasagna or whatever. So I, I think that stuff is um, uh, cool, that enhancing reality and stuff. I don't want to look like a blind guy. I mean, you wouldn't look like one. You would be one if you're if you're wearing these glasses and block your vision. Um, so I don't know. There's the part of me that thinks that it might not be a bad idea for us to all unplug every now and then too. But I, I do like that enhanced uh, uh, reality type of system. So um, Siri Proxy. This is an interesting one. I am skipping down on this list a little bit. But Siri Proxy is... Basically, what it does is it um, you run this uh, Siri proxy software on your home server, and it intercepts your request to Siri. This is obviously iOS um, specific, but they have the same thing for Android too. But basically, what this does is you use your phone, and you would say, "Siri, I want you to do X," and then your wireless router intercepts that. And instead of sending that request to Apple, it sends it to your server, and then your server would do speech recognition and fulfill that request. So if you said, Siri, I want you to dim the lights, you're using the Siri on the iPhone, but it's, instead of sending that request to Apple, it sends it to your local LAN, which interprets your request and then does that. So it's a, a speech recognition front end to home automation or whatever you want it to do. I mean, if you really want to set up... Siri to, you know, send out tweets or something like that or, or whatever, you know, you wanted to do. But I thought that one was really interesting. Um, so this is one that I saw that I found very interesting was driving a LCD or LED um, light display. And you can buy these panels that are like, you know, 24 by 24 or 16 by 32 or whatever. And you could daisy chain them together. And basically this would be like driving... Uh, a marquee, like one of those signs that has, you know, uh, the scrolling lights or whatever, and you could have a type message. Now, I will tell you for the past, I don't know how long, 10 or 15 years, I've had this, this project. I mean, I've never lifted a finger, so, um, but I've had this, this dream of having something mounted in the back of my car that would say, that would show what I'm listening to, like now playing Beastie Boys, whatever, or now playing, you know. So I started thinking, you know, this is actually doable. And I haven't seen anybody else ever do this. But if you had that car pewter and you were listening to MP3s and you could pull the the tags down and then run that output out to, you know, a matrix thing that would be mounted in the back of your car. Really, this sounds like a good way to get rear-ended at an intersection. <laughs> now listening to... <laughs> If this show had any budget, there would be a, a sound effect entered right there of a, a car crash, but there's no budget. 
And sound effects are free. Maybe I'll throw one in there. But anyway, um, to me, that seems really cool. Like, you know, you're going to, now it has the potential to be really not cool. Uh, because I have a lot of really, really embarrassing music in my 80s directory. Uh, so, you know, I could be um, driving and all of a sudden, you know, Culture Club. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not really listening to that. You know, as people drive by and they're, and they're snickering at me. Um, but I thought that would be a really cool thing uh, to do. And I even got this idea of, like, making a marquee kind of thing. And I don't know how much this would cost to put together. But that, having a marquee like that displaying your tweets uh, and then maybe even doing things in different colors like, uh, I mean, if they're, if they're um, multicolor LEDs, like maybe uh, Facebook updates would come in in blue and tweets would come in in red or something like that. And I don't know, just some ideas. But that's what I really like about the Raspberry Pi is it gets your creative juices flowing. It starts you on this this path of, hey, what can I do with this? And then you go figure it out. So like I said, right now I'm at the, the phase of, of implementing things that other people have created, but that's where I want to get to. I want to get to come, you know, these ideas that I've had for years and years, and I want to make my ideas come true with the Raspberry Pi. My dreams come true. Sounds dumb. But, uh, so that, that's my vision. Um, a few other things here, you know what, I'm going to skip down. These are all things you could Google. Um, kiosk, I thought that was an interesting one just because it's a low powered, it's a low cost. You don't have to worry about somebody stealing the computer. You know, you just have a, a $35 computer in there and, and obviously you could lock it down. Um, things that you could connect to your pie. Um, and I got these out of uh, an article from Makezine. Uh, camera, I mentioned that. You can buy a small camera. Um, like It's like a pinhole type camera, and you could use that to hook up to your Pi. Um, there's also a distance measurer. I talked about that with the robot thing. It's a couple of infrared sensors or whatever. And, and um, how cool would that be to make the little droid from Star Wars that that uh, Chewbacca roared at. In fact, maybe you could make something that has a microphone as well. And so it would wander around your house. And then whenever it hears something over a certain uh, decibel or whatever, it turns around, does a 180 and runs the other way. That might be cool. Um, the infrared sensors I talked about uh, for motion uh, detection or whatever. And also there's a small, I saw a small LCD display. It's 20 by four and it just has, um, uh, not LCD, sorry, LED, uh, but it's 20 by 4 matrix, and it just plugs right into that thing, and, and you can make it display whatever you want, whether it's it's text or, um, you know, an equalizer or whatever. So um, so Raspberry Pi, I, I, the reason I wanted to do this episode is because I, I like that it is helping me connect to those old feelings, those old, those days of using technology to come, not using it just as what's offered. I mean, when you have Windows 8, like I have on this laptop that's staring at me, um, I can't just go, well, I wish it would do this. I mean, maybe if someone wrote a program that, that does that, that it does, then, you know, I could do whatever that is. But, I mean, it's kind of this little framework, and you have to operate within that framework. But the Raspberry Pi... It doesn't really have a framework. It says, you know, here's this little thing. What do you want to make it do? And so I missed that. I missed that era from the old days of computing. And so maybe maybe I'll do projects with it. Maybe I won't. Um, I hope that I do. But more than, maybe more than what it actually does or can do, I just, I'm attracted to the idea. I'm attracted to... Um, you know, that it is this little $35 thing and it is sparking my imagination. It is making me want to go out and do things. Who knows? Maybe at some point I will record an episode of You Don't Know Flack strictly on the Raspberry Pi. Heck, I do it on the Commodore 64 all the time. So <laughs> how much harder could it be to do it on a Raspberry Pi? But, um, so anyway, uh, as I proceed down this path, of the Raspberry Pi and getting it to do things. And as I get it to interface things, I'll mention it. I may mention it in other future episodes of You Don't Know Flack or Loading Time. 
Um, but uh, th- that's why I wanted to talk about it. Not really to talk about anything that I've done, but what other people have done with it and that maybe it will inspire you to go back in. I mean, at one point, I think all of us loved computers and I find these days that um, I don't love computers the way I used to. Computers are, it's like maybe this is a a crazy example. I'm I'm looking here. I, I just put up some shelves the other day and to put these shelves into place, I used a hammer. And so when you were a kid, remember when you got a hammer and how, and you would just go hammer the crap out of things and how much fun that is. But, but not many people these days get pure joy um, from, you know, using a hammer. Um, maybe, um, I don't know who would mobsters, <laughs> but um, you know, now it's just a tool. And unfortunately for me and a lot of us, computers became a tool when I go to work, I use computers all day. I, I never get excited when I go to work and turn my computer on. I'm not like, oh, look at that RAM count up. Listen to that fan fire. Oh, this is going to be a good boot. Um, and th- there was a time when it was like that. There was a time when I, when every time I turned on my Commodore and you had that blue on blue screen and the cursor flashing and it was like, what am I going to do with this thing today? What am I going to make this do? What am I going to download that's new or whatever? And, and when we depend on computers every day for our jobs. They just become a tool, you know? And so I'm hoping, and maybe I like the the concept better than the reality, but I'm hoping that that's where the Raspberry Pi takes me. Um, and maybe not to get too cheeseball, but maybe it doesn't take me anywhere. Maybe it lets me go. Maybe it lets me go where I want to go and do things with it that I want to do. So anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say about the Raspberry Pi. Um, I was going to say uh, this episode's a little short, but I think I rambled on on so much crap that I, it may be a normal, <laughs> normal link. So uh, anyway, tomorrow I'm recording a new episode of Throwback Reviews. Uh, we just did an episode of The Great Outdoors. And uh, next week or tomorrow, we're going to record an episode about Caddyshack. So we're really doing some classic 80s movies right now. So if you're into classic 80s, please join us over at throwbackreviews.com. Uh, I have a upcoming episode loosely scheduled with the Adventure Club podcast. We're going to talk about AOL. I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, you know, all the normal people that I plug, the 2600 Game by Game podcast. Uh, I've, I've been listening to uh, Doug McCoy's creepy cool movies that's another uh a great podcast so lots of good stuff out there once again thanks for tuning in to you don't know flack hang in there with me as i get over this little uh this little hurdle in recording schedules we get everything back on track i am going to when i'm done with this recording right now i'm going to go email the two people that i've talked about doing shows with and see if i can schedule something for this week so that would be a cool thing to do next week so anyway Thank you once again for tuning in to You Don't Know Flat. Um, That's about all I have to say. Uh, Once again, if you want to, uh, if you have feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flat, you can email me at robohair at robohair.com or leave a message for me on the You Don't Know Flat voice mailbox, which is area code 405-486. You Don't Know Flat. That's YDKF. Leave a message 24 hours. It doesn't really ring anywhere. It just leaves a message. And uh, that's a great way to get a hold of me. So thanks again for tuning in. And I will see you next week on another episode of You Don't Know Flag.
That phone number is 405-486-YDKF for You Don't Know Flack. I guess it could stand for other things, too. What could that stand for? Young Donuts Keep Frying. <laughs> that would be terrible. I hope I cut this out. I hope I remember. <laughs> this is stupid. So you don't know flack, obviously. 405 486, you don't know flack. 